um, please go sign up. Um, get a hold of Autumn. She's right here in the front row. Uh, if, if you would like to help, and we could really use the help. Um, but that was just kind of a freebie. I didn't even write that down. That was just for you because I love you so much. Um, hey, first of all, straight up, um, we had more volunteers this week at Free Market. We had Free Market on Saturday. Um, we gave away a lot of clothes, made some connections with people, uh, did it all in the name of Jesus so that people you know, could have clothes for the winter and blankets and coats and stuff like that. And we had more people this year than any other year we've ever had come to volunteer. Look around and see that this church is not very big. Yeah! There were 17 people showed up. That's incredible. Like, like I said before, usually 10% of your church is all you can really count on. And that's like almost a third some of the time of our church, right? Uh, I know there's like more people than that tonight here. But we had 17 people show up, and that was really awesome. And I'm really, really, really glad about that. Um, so thank you all for coming. And, and those of you who haven't yet to get involved in the stuff we do in the East End, I really encourage you to do that. Um, but I just really wanted to pat you guys on the back. That was great. Um, also, if you haven't signed up or you haven't let anyone know, um, or if you've forgotten, uh, we are going to be here next week but we're not going to be doing revolution. Um, Christ Community is having a big Thanksgiving dinner. It usually costs a little bit of money to get in, but revolution, because everyone here is poor college folk, uh, has been invited to come for free. Uh, they have graciously given us a bunch of free tickets and stuff to come, uh, but we don't have the tickets here this evening, so what we're going to ask you to do is in the atrium over there, there's a table, and we just want you to, just to write your name down and write that you're coming. That's all we need is just a head count of how many people are going to be there. So if you guys want to come and have a banging dinner, with the people at Christ Community Church, I would encourage you to do that. It's going to be next week at 6 o'clock, not 6.30. So pretend like it's 5.30 so you guys will be here at 6 because that's how this church goes. Um, also, and this is just something, uh, I talked to Sean and Jen Diatley today. Um, there are missionaries over in Senegal. Um, and, and they were just talking to me about just some of the kind of like a, a little bit of a hard spot that they're in right now. I can't really go into a whole lot of detail. It's nothing like life-threatening to them or anything like that. But they said that they could really use a lot of prayer right now. So if you guys could remember to pray for our missionaries, never forget that they're over there. Um, they've relocate, relocated their whole life to spread, people, uh, spread the gospel to people. So please be praying for them. Um, but that's all the announcements. No, it's not. Oh, uh, we have college Bible studies. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday um, at Shawnee at 8 p.m., and they're in Massey Hall, room 211. So if you're not there, get there. It's good stuff. We're going through Galatians. We'll actually be wrapping it up in the next couple of weeks. So please, I hope that that is enough. I hope that that's everything. I've never, I don't do announcements very, this is a lot harder than it looks, but good job, Kelly. All right, so shake hands with one another. Find someone that you've never met before. Say what's up. Just tell them your name. That's all I got for you. Play some music. What's up, Revolution? Do it again for the third time this evening. What's up, Revolution? That's what I'm talking about. Um, now, I was just informed. Thank you, Autumn. I was just informed uh, by my brother-in-law that Mike and Elaine Peters, they were uh, admitted into the hospital today uh, at 6, and they're going to be inducing her into labor. Uh, Mike and Elaine are our uh, missionaries to China, so she's going to be having her baby probably within the next uh, 24 hours or so. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so be praying for them that everything goes smoothly and that everything is cool with the kid. Um, so I, I just wanted to let you guys know that I just found out. Um, but with that being said, tonight we are going to be in Luke. Uh, we're going to continue on through our series in Luke. Did Jesus really say that? Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. Um, so you can turn there in those blue Bibles if you want to. Uh, just so you guys know, those blue Bibles are our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible or the Bible you have is really hard to understand, we want you to take that with you. It's a good translation. It's a faithful translation, and it's really, really, really easy to understand. 
and that is delicious. Um, but before we, before we hop into the scripture, have you guys ever got yourself into a mess that you like can't fix? Yeah, right? Um, now, how many of you are like me and you're stupid enough to think you can fix it once you are in said mess? Good times, right? I got a couple of stories. Um, one time, uh, I, I work at Mule Town Mini Mart. I work at a convenience store in one of my jobs, and I despise it. Um, so I hope you're listening, Mom. I work for my mom. Um, I hate it. I hate stocking the cooler. Uh, you go back, it's like literally like 34 or 35 degrees back in this thing. It's super cold. I'm an idiot, and I'm always wearing shorts. And they're like super tall, like six or seven stacks high of like cases of pop. And I don't mean like 24 packs of Pepsi. I mean 24, 20-ounce bottles. So these are like 27 pounds roughly, um, and they're stacked six or seven tall. Now, I'm telling you all this because it's about to get kind of funny. Um, I go back there, and they said, hey, Dave, we need you to restack some of the pop back there. Unbeknownst to me, someone had went through and taken pop out of the lower ones. So, yeah, you can see where this is going. It's not very stable, all right? And it's like a column. <laughs> uh, so I am going to stack some pop, and all of a sudden, one of them kind of slides out a little bit, and I was like, I got this. I'll just hold it up with my knee. This will be fine. And next thing you know, it's the domino effect of just case after case after case. But I didn't let them fall because I'm a man. Don't ever forget that, all right? So I'm holding them up like this, right? And they just keep coming, just one stack after another. And I'm just holding them with everything I got. And I was, like, even 20 pounds thinner then than I am now. So, like, I'm just a little tiny thing. I can't hold it up. And I somehow, by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit's power, pulled my phone out of my pocket. And uh, back in the cooler, no one can hear you scream, so you got to make a phone call. Uh, so, like, I called my grandpa, and he came back, and he came to my rescue, And he helped me move all the stuff off of me so that I didn't die and we didn't lose a bunch of pop. Uh, I needed help, right? I got myself into a huge mess because instead of just stopping what I was doing, I was like, no, I'll just brace this up against myself and it'll be all right. Because I'm an idiot. Um, Another thing recently, uh, the dudes in the ref house can attest to this, our heater broke, right? It sucks, right? It wasn't that cold yet, though, and I'm kind of lazy. And I'm like, you know, I'll just tinker with the thermostat a little bit every day and, you know, something will work out. And if it doesn't work out, it'll be okay because... I'm an idiot, and I'm just going to bundle up in a Carhartt and just let the winter come, right? And if the dudes would not have been on me the whole time, like, dude, call a professional. You need help. Like, we need help. We cannot fix this on our own. Um, I, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> I'm, I'm that cheap. I think it has a lot to do with being cheap. Anyone else cheap in here? No, apparently no one thinks I'm funny, and no one is as cheap as I am because you guys value warmth more than money. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm not as bad as I want you to think I am. Um, but what I'm getting at is, is we have this mentality in the United States that I can do it myself. I don't need help. Um, I'll figure out a way to do it myself. I'm going to pull myself up by, the, by my own bootstraps, right? You guys have heard that. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to DIY. Um, but even in Christianity, it's bled over. Like that pathetic, stupid mentality that I'm going to do everything by myself and I'm going to fix this has bled over into Christianity. And... Believe it or not, we, we, start to, we start to believe that we're going to do it ourselves in regard to our salvation. Like, that we're going to play a part in our salvation. And this message this evening might rock you guys a little bit weirder than you're used to hearing. Um, you have nothing to do with your salvation whatsoever. At all. Like, literally. Like, you, like you ever heard of, like, synergy? Like, we're going to do this together. This is called monergism. God does everything whenever it comes to saving you. You have no part in it. So it's pathetic that we let the kind of I-can-do-it-myself mentality come into uh, Christianity, we believe that it's Jesus plus something. Like, uh, you go into different churches that believe different dumb things, um, and it's like uh, Jesus plus baptism is what's going to save you. 
You have to have faith in Jesus, and then you got to get dunked or you're going to hell. Um, or you have to have faith in Jesus, plus you have to speak in tongues in order to go to heaven. Um, that it's not just about Jesus, it's about Jesus plus, and that's not Jesus' message at all. Right? And the one that I grew up with, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with, is Jesus, faith in Jesus plus be really good. Does that resonate with anyone in here? Jesus plus be really, really good. Jesus plus be really obedient, because if you cease to be obedient, you'll lose your salvation and you'll go to hell. As if you being good or being bad can affect what God has done for you through Jesus. That's not Jesus' message. Right? Christianity has strayed so far from what Jesus taught that it's pathetic sometimes. You know, we have traded this message that Jesus saves for one that says, you and Jesus work together to save you. That's not it. You know, I, and I wonder this, and this is why I wanted to preach on this tonight. I, I wonder if we fall into that belief here. I think Revolution's done a pretty decent job in the last five years to make it really clear that it's all about Jesus. But I know that I fall into this belief from time to time that I have something to do with my salvation. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, if you have a really good day, or, you, or my bad, you have like a really bad day. Uh, and what I mean by bad day is I disobeyed Jesus. Um, I fell into an old sin that I've been trying to, to, to kick. I, I, I passed someone on the side of the road that needed my help. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just repeating sin, or I made it, I'm making mistakes, and then you start to feel like you're less of a Christian. Or you start to feel like I'm not saved anymore. Or you start to, on the flip side, I had a really good day. I stopped and I helped people. I did the Lord's work. Um, you know, like I, I didn't lose my temper with my fiance whenever she got on my nerves. Not that she ever does that. Um, you know, and then we begin to think, you know, I am saved because why wouldn't God save me? Because I did everything that I was supposed to do today. Why would I not be saved? So there's two sides of that coin, um, and, and none of them is true. It's all about Jesus, and I want you guys to know that and understand that by the end of this more than anything. It's all about Jesus and not about how good you are or how bad you are because we can't save ourselves. So we're going to see what Jesus has to say about these conflicting views of I'm going to save myself versus Jesus' message that he is going to save you and he alone is going to save you. And we're going to see how Jesus says they absolutely cannot coexist together. All right, so we're going to go to Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. All right, we see that Luke writes, One day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? And Jesus responded, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. I said the word wine a lot, and this sermon's not on alcohol or anything like that. Um, so as you hear more conservative can, can calm down. Um, you have to understand a few things to really get this, uh, to get those metaphors that Jesus said, or to understand why he was talking about, you know, uh, a wedding feast, and why he's talking about wine and cloth, and the new and the old, and all that stuff. Um, actually, this is something that I had heard preached on when I was younger. Um, I'd heard preached on since I've been older. I've, I've read it a bunch, and I never really understood it until this week. Um, it, it hit me full on in the face. I think it is awesome. I'm really excited for you guys to know this stuff. But the first thing you guys need to know, 
Fasting. The first thing they ask Jesus is, you know, why don't your people fast? But the everyone else does. What you need to know about fasting is fasting was super big in Jewish culture, all right, especially with Pharisees. Uh, Pharisees were actually known for fasting on Mondays and Thursdays every single week, a ton of different religious holy days that they had uh, said that we're going to set aside these days for fasting that actually weren't in the Bible. In reality, God had only set aside a few days for the Jewish people to fast, but they had just kind of kept adding more and more to it. Um, And fasting wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Whenever the Pharisees did it, um, they tended to want people around them to think that they were super holy, so they would make it known to everyone that they were fasting. Um, But fasting, when when done appropriately in Jewish culture, it was was showing a a longing for God. It was saying, I I desire God more than I desire food. Um, The thing that's actually going to keep me alive, God is more important to me than that, and I'm going to show him that. In this, like you, you would show your longing for God's deliverance. You would show your longing for God's promised Messiah, um, for God's presence. Right? You want to spend quality time with God. You fast to let Him know your seriousness, and you really want to spend some quality time with Him. You fast to, you know, plea for forgiveness um, from God, and that's the reasons why these people would fast. So why don't Jesus' disciples fast? Now I don't want to call our Lord a smart aleck. Um, but Jesus gives this really blunt, straightforward answers, and I really like it, and he's kind of like backhands a little bit. Um, so he says, why don't your people fast? If this is why people tend to fast, Jesus says, why would we? I'm the Messiah. I'm God in flesh, so I am God's presence you desire. I came to deliver people, and I've come to forgive sins. And that's made clear if you guys have been reading Luke along um, Every week, it, it's clear. He, he, he says, I have the power to forgive sins, and I have the power to heal. I've come to set people free. I've come to set the captive free. Jesus has come to be all those things. He's claimed to be God many times. He's saying, this is no longer a time of anticipation. This is a time of celebration. I am here. I am the groom. My disciples are the people that are part of my uh, bridal party for men. I don't know what those are really called. I'm losing it right now. I don't know. It's not bridesmaids and stuff. Groomsmen? I got to figure this out because I'm getting married soon, um, <laughs> right? But he's saying like, and my disciples are those guys, and it would be inappropriately inappropriate for them to fast while I'm here. Um, but then he goes on to say, but there's going to be a time when I'm not here anymore. I'm not here physically, and then it's going to be appropriate to long for my return, right? So just a little freebie sidebar: we're not landing on fasting this evening, um, but we can. It's optional, and I, I think that it's good, and we should fast occasionally. Um, to show that we long for Jesus' return, right? Not that it's going to necessarily make it come any faster, but just to show God, you know, I desire your presence. You mean more to me than anything else. Um, that, and it kind of reorients yourself to, like, understanding what really matters. Because Jesus said, you know, we don't live off food, but we live off of God's word. So it kind of reorients yourself to what's really important whenever you deny yourself food. So take that for what it's worth for you guys. I think it's a good thing. Um, but... Coming off that, Jesus yet again claims his divinity, right? He claims to be the Messiah. He claims to be God's presence. He claims all these things. So when we string what he just said here together with the things that he said in the last five chapters and the things that we've already preached on in this sermon series, we see that Jesus is saying this. I have come with a new message. Salvation is no longer by what you do, but salvation is because I can forgive sins. That salvation is by faith in me. I am the Messiah who has come for the worst of the worst. I am the Messiah who has come to set people free. Anyone who will believe in me will be free. I'm here to deliver, and I'm going to fix it myself. I'm the promised one. 
believe in me. So that's what, whenever we string it all together, that's what Jesus is saying, and he's reaffirming here in this patch, uh, or passage of scripture that we're in. But the cloth and the wineskins thing, that's what really got me. I understood the groom thing. But the cloth and wineskins never genuinely made sense to me. It seemed like a leap. Um, and what you guys need to know about that kind of stuff, this is, this is pretty cool. And it's going to be common sense for those of you who understand how clothes work. Um, Luke says the new won't match the old, right? Why would you take a new t-shirt and an old t-shirt, and the old t-shirt has a hole, why would you cut a square out of the new one and patch it onto the old one? That doesn't make any sense. Matthew says that whenever you clean it and it dries, that it'll rip away. And then you'll have two shirts with holes in them, and you have nothing. You've ruined everything. Both are destroyed. Uh, The new can't mix with the old. And then Jesus says again with wine. Um, For those of you who don't know anything about alcohol, whenever something's fermenting, it expands, and you have to release the gas. So if you put new wine into brittle old wineskins that don't have any elasticity, as it ferments, it'll burst the skins open. So new wine and old wineskins can't mix. What Jesus is saying is these are absurd thoughts to mix new with old here. And he's talking about his new message. He's saying that you will lose everything. You will have nothing. With the wine, you won't have any more wine, you won't have any more wineskins, you won't have any shirt to wear anymore if you try to mix the two garments. So Jesus is calling his new message of salvation by him alone and what he has come to do incompatible with the old message of self-salvation. God made a covenant with the Jewish people, and he says, if you obey me, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. If you obey me, it was conditional a lot of the time with Jewish people. It was the Mosaic covenant. It was do this and I will do this. And Jesus says that's the old message, but I have come to institute a new one. Now this old message of self-salvation is everywhere. That you have to take a part in your salvation and save yourself and you have to be really obedient in order for God to love you. This message of self-salvation is everywhere. And that's because everyone knows that they've done wrong and everyone seeks to redeem themselves. And I did something funny. So, in light of a new movie that just came out this Friday, and if any of you guys don't know me very well, you won't understand what movie I'm talking about, we're going to play a clip about trying to redeem yourself, if Corey's got that ready. The country in the wrong direction! this backtrack the tad this is not going as we have planned give me one a second tad, Lord! <laughs> i'm only human harry anybody can make a mistake come on stop being a baby so we backtracked a tad. Tad! A tad, Lloyd! You drove almost a sixth of the way across the country in the wrong direction! Now we don't have enough money to get to Aspen. We don't have enough money to get home. We don't have enough money to eat. We don't have enough money to sleep. Well, it's not going to do us any good to sit here whining about it. We're in a hole. We're just going to have to dig ourselves out. Okay, all right, you're right. You're absolutely right, Lloyd. Where are you going? 
home. I'm walking home. Oh, well, pardon me, Mr. Perfect. I guess I forgot that you never ever make a mistake. room for one more if you still want to go to Aspen. Where did you find that? Some kid back in town. Traded the van for it straight up. I can get 70 miles to the gallon on this hog. You know, Lloyd, just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> right on, right on. Now, I had to jump off the stage just then because we had some miscommunication. I almost played a part that would not have been friendly for, for younger people in the room. So I had, to, I had to jump back there and make sure that me and Corey knew what was going on. I know I seem like a crazy person jumping off there. Um, but like I said, that message of self-salvation, right? Lloyd did something that he shouldn't have done. I don't know how many of you guys hadn't seen that movie. I love that film. If you haven't seen it, it's probably on Netflix. Check it out. Dumb and Dumber, and the new one's out. Uh, but Lloyd had drove the sixth of the way across the country in the wrong direction, <laughs> and he sought to redeem himself. So apparently he did that by buying a scooter and trading the van for it. Um, right, but, it but a more serious example of, you know, I do something wrong, and I try to redeem myself. Um, Schindler's List. I don't know how many of you guys seen Schindler's List. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's phenomenal. I love Holocaust-era movies. Um, it's about this German man named Oskar Schindler. And he's a businessman. Um, and he's just really, really thrifty and really underhanded. And what he does is he uses World War II and the Germans' involvement there as a way to make money. Um, he starts making pots and pans and ammunition and shells and stuff like that for the German army. And he does that by extorting Jewish people for their money that's worthless to them at this point because Jews aren't really allowed to have money. And he buys the company with their cash and then goes on to hire Jews who aren't allowed to be paid. So he's using slave labor to make all this money. And, and Oscar Schindler, as, as long story short, it's a long movie, um, as it goes through, he starts to see, you know, this is awful. I'm making money off of slavery. This is, this is not right. And then he ends up selling everything that he owns. Um, to try to save these Jewish people and keep them in his factory long enough to wait the war out so that they don't end up being sent to concentration camps. And Oscar Schindler, actually, this is historical, he, he ended up saving around 1,100 Jewish people um, from concentration camps, right? So a lot of people would say he, he redeemed himself, but what I'm getting at is he saw that he was doing something that he shouldn't do and then spent the rest of his life trying to undo what he did. But it's not just in films, this thought of trying to redeem yourself. It's in every other religion, too. 
Every religion except Christianity says, I've done something wrong, and now I've got to do A, B, C, and D in order to be forgiven, in order to be loved by God, or accepted, or released from reincarnation, or whatever that the religion says it is. It's, I've done wrong, now I must right my wrongs myself. It's all up to me. And that's not true religion. That's not God doing anything. That's a lazy God. Right? Islam says, Allah says, do what I say or else. How lazy is that? He doesn't even get involved with his people to fix anything. Right? Religions like that, and I'm not just picking on Islam, it's all religions other than Christianity. It's all self-salvation. You've done wrong, and now you have to fix it. Now, some people look for something to save them. And it's not Jesus, but they look outside of themselves for something worldly, something earthly that's going to save them. You know, and and we, we all tend to do it. We tend to look for a functional savior. Right? Something to validate us. Something that's going to give us worth. And I hit, I hit on these things a lot, but it bears repeating, right? Because it hits where the culture that we live in. We, we tend to look for a functional savior in money. You know, like my life sucks. I need something to validate me. So my savior is going to be cash. If I get enough money, I will be worth something because I realize how worthless that I actually am in and of myself because I'm a bad person. But if my cash will give me worth, uh, power. You know, if I can command and have authority over some people, that will give me some worth because I understand what a worm that I am already. And that's going to be what fixes me and validates me. Fame goes the same way there. People know who I am. I'm worth something. When in reality, I know what I am. Sex, relationships, things like that. If I can get the next girl, or if I can get the hottest girl, or if I can get the perfect guy, that's going to give me worth. Um, If I'm successful, and everyone knows how successful I am, even if it's local, that's what's going to fix me. Because I know how jacked up and broken that I am. So we look outside of ourselves, and yet every one of those things, every functional savior that we try to find, it always leaves us wanting more. Like, I'm, I'm friends with a dude who is friends with a band who went on tour with Pink. Um, and whenever they were on tour, you know, they, they're out for like a month, huge arenas. They're actually getting to hang out with Pink. She's being real nice to them. And they come back from the tour, and my buddy asked them, you know, how, how was it? And they're like, dude, it was awesome. We played in front of like hundreds of thousands of people. It was great. And they're like, well, how was Pink? She's the most miserable person I've ever met in my life. You mean she was rude? No, no, she was friendly. She was depressed. And what I'm saying is, it clearly wasn't money that was going to make it her happy. It wasn't fame. She could sleep with any guy she wants to. It's pink. She could get in any relationship that she wants to. Um, she has power. She has fame. And yet she's still miserable because none of those functional saviors are really going to do anything. They want, we, we can take those things and have as much as we want. And we're going to want more. Always. And that's not a redeemer. That's not a savior. That's a slave master. That's slavery, to always be wanting more and never being satisfied. You know, but even if we don't look outside of ourselves for something like money, like let's say you're a little bit too intellectual for that stuff, or you're smarter than that, to know that that crap around you is not going to make you happy, because the world will even tell you, uh, in theory, those things won't make you happy, although most people don't actually believe that. Um, I would say most people actually look to save themselves. Uh, Most people don't look for money or fame or success. If that's you, then we've addressed that, but if you're like me, we tend to want to save ourselves. Um, you know, you're, like I said, you're trying to be your own savior, which is really a dumb idea. <laughs> like, you got yourself screwed in the situation that you're in and how you're going to fix it? It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, self-help books or something, like, I always rag on them when I'm preaching. Self-help books. Okay, I'm jacked up. I'm an awful person, but I can help myself if I read what another jacked up sinner wrote. Right? <laughs> like, I don't know how that's supposed to help anything. Uh, it's a really dumb idea. You know, it's I've done... 
something wrong. Again, I've sinned. If, if, you, if you believe in the concept of sin, I've done something wrong. So I'm just going to do good stuff from now on. It's going to make up for the wrongs that I've done. You know, like I was a bad father. So now that my kids are grown and they can't stand me, I'm going to try to, you know, get involved in some big brother program to try to be around these kids. And I'm going to tell other parents, don't do what I did. Um, because what I did was so bad whenever I had my own kids that, um, you know, I was a womanizer um, and just treated women like dirt. So now I'm going to do my best to try to go out to the East End and try to help prostitutes there because that's going to somehow undo what I did to the women in my past. Um, Things like that. It's like this salvation by social justice type thing. I've done so much bad and ignored so many people and hurt so many people that if I go around and help enough people, it's going to outweigh what I've done. And it won't. Or my favorite, salvation by morality. I spent my life as an atheist. I spent my life as a getting drunk all the time, doing drugs, whatever it might be, neglecting my kids, doing all kinds of awful, immoral things that I now recognize are wrong. So I'm going to spend the rest of my life being just the best, most moral person that I could possibly be. And that somehow is going to undo all the immoral things that I did. That's false. Go, go with me on this. If you commit murder and then do 100,000 hours of community service, it does not undo the fact that you're a murderer. It does not acquit you of your guilt. You've committed murder and you deserve punishment for murder. So to think that you're good or you're, you all of a sudden, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and I'm going to start doing things the way I should have all along, that that's going to cancel out the bad things that you've done, that's the dumbest thought in the world. You're still guilty of everything that you've done. I'm still guilty of everything that we've done. And there is no amount of good to cancel out the bad that we've done. We've done too much. We've sinned. We've rebelled against the most holy being in all of creation, and his justice demands that we suffer hell, and he's the one who gets to make the decision call on that. We've done too much to fix it ourselves. We're depraved. We're sinners. We're rebels. God's justice demands our condemnation for our sin. We deserve to burn in hell for all of eternity. But God doesn't want that for us. So he sent Jesus. And Jesus is moral in all the ways that we're immoral. He he enacts social justice in all the ways that we won't. He does everything right. Where we're sinful and we're broken and we're jacked up and there's nothing we can do to redeem ourselves, Jesus is the polar opposite of all of that. And Jesus lives a sinless life. And then the kicker of the whole thing of him living a sinless life, strictly because he loved you and you don't deserve to be loved and I don't deserve to be loved, but strictly because Jesus loved us and it brought him pleasure. Jesus took our sin on himself and then went and suffered God's wrath as a substitute in our place for our sin, for the things that you've done and for the things that I've done. And he dies and then God raises him three days days later from the grave to prove that our sin had been paid for, that justice demanded our conviction and justice demanded our condemnation. But Jesus went to the cross, pled guilty of sin, even though he was innocent and suffered what we deserved. We're murderers and he was murdered for us. He took everything that we've done and says, now if you will place your faith in me, I have fixed everything. I have settled the debt that you owed to God. Jesus' last words were, it is finished. He says, it's done. It's been paid for. If you will trust in me, you owe God nothing. All the bad that you've done, 
all the, immor- all the immorality, all the ignoring people that need, whatever it is that you've done, whether you've been a bad parent or you've been a drug addict or you've been an alcoholic or you've been a bad friend or you've been greedy or you've been a liar, whatever it is, Jesus has taken that on himself for you. And all that is forgiven if you will place your faith in Jesus because he has paid what you owed to God. But I know the question always is, you know, what if I mess up? Right? I, I used to struggle with that before I was a Christian. What if I mess up? I place my faith in Jesus and then I go out and I sin again. What then? I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ paid for your past, present, and your future sin. Salvation is from Christ alone, not a combination of you and Jesus. If you have anything to do with your salvation at all, you will screw it up and you will go to hell. And God loves you too much for that. Salvation is in Christ alone. The Bible says, salvation is mine, God says. That's why it's good news. You couldn't get it for yourself and you can't undo it. The Bible says that Christ effectively saved people with his death and resurrection. You have been effectively saved if you will place your faith in Jesus. Even if you make mistakes in the future, you've already been reconciled to God. So if you want to know more about what it means to place your faith in Jesus, or you want someone to pray with you or whatever, please come talk to me after the service. Or if you want to pray before then, or you want someone to talk to before then, we're going to have a couple people over here by the couches as we play music. We want to pray with you. I want you to place your faith in Jesus, but I can't make you. But I do know this salvation is in Jesus alone. It was done by Jesus alone, and there is no other name that we can be saved by. There's nothing else that we can do other than turn to Jesus and ask for forgiveness and believe that he is who he said he was. Believe that he took our penalty in our place. That is salvation. So what do we do with this? Some of you already knew this, I'm sure. A lot of you already knew this. What do we do with this message that Jesus has accomplished our salvation, that it's all about him anyway? I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want want you to live in it. I want you to take rest in it. Take comfort in it and believe it. I don't want this just to be just a checklist. Yeah, salvation is from Jesus alone. It's all about Jesus, not about me. Check. I want you to dwell on it. I want you to find peace in that. You know, don't live the lie that I used to live, and it made me hate God in the end, that I have to be a a perfect person in order to, to be saved. That it was faith in Jesus plus be really good. And if you can't hold up your end of plus be really good, you're going to hell. Don't live that lie. I lived that lie, and it made me hate God after enough years. It made me terrified of God, because I can never hold up my end of be a good boy. You can't either. I guess if you're a girl, you couldn't anyway, but, you know, like, you can't hold up your own end of be good. You're not good enough. The the standard is perfection. You're never going to get it. You know, salvation is by faith alone, by God's grace alone, and through Christ alone. Your name is nowhere in the Bible. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ and what he did for us. You know, you're not that important. <laughs> like, I know a lot of people might not like this, whatever. You're not that important. Um, for your salvation, anyway. You know, something that, that Paul says, and if you guys have been in any, of the, in any of the Bible studies, we've been going through Galatians. Paul says, I don't count the cross as meaningless. 
If someone could have had a part in their salvation, if someone could have saved themselves by being such a good person, Jesus wouldn't have come. I don't count the cross of Christ as meaningless. You know, we need to live in that. We need to understand that, that, that we don't have any part of it because God loves us too much to let us screw it up. If it's 99% Jesus and 1% David, on my best day, I will screw up my 1% and go to hell. I promise you that. And I know I'm not the only one in this room that's like that either. On my best day, I still deserve hell. But God loves you too much. And, and, and guys, don't take this message and say, well, David said that, you know, salvation's from Jesus alone. It's all about him, and it's not about how much I mess up. So let's go to the bar and get wasted. All right, that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, what I am saying again, is that it's all about Jesus, but I don't, I don't want you to cheapen God's grace. One of my favorite theologians, Martin Luther, has one of the best quotes about this ever. He says, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. He's saying obedience to Jesus' commands, his calls to holiness, his calls to purity, come after you've had faith in Jesus. It's a result, but that's not what saves you. You're saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. You will begin to do good works. You'll begin to live a different kind of a life, but that's only after you've placed your faith in Jesus. And even then, how obedient you are and how much good works you do has nothing to do with your salvation. Your salvation is all in your faith. You know, like I said, the good works will follow after, but they're not going to save you. You know, that is Jesus' message. He has come to save. You're saved by him. But there are, like he said, there are going to be people who have the old wine and they try the new one and says, I like the old better. I like the old way of trying to save myself better. You know, there are always going to be people that oppose this message. This message that it's all about Jesus and not about you. There will always be people that can't stand it because they say that sounds too easy. It sounds too easy to have, for me to have nothing to do with it. It's too good to be true. And it sounds too good to be true, but the Bible says it is true, so I'm going to go with that. Um, people say, I want to do it myself, but the Bible says that it's already done. Jesus says, it is finished. It's done. You've been bought. So don't be that guy, right? Don't be that person that says, I want to keep trying to do this myself. Because I'll tell you what Paul says in Galatians, and this is a hard paraphrase. Um, Jesus plus something gets you nothing. If your salvation, if you believe your salvation is in Jesus plus anything else, you will get nothing because salvation comes from Jesus alone. If you rely on yourself and not Jesus, there is no salvation there. If you rely on anything in this world and not Jesus alone, there's no hope for you. You So I guess the question is, are you going to trust Jesus alone? Are you going to keep trying to save yourself, fail, and go to hell? That's the real question. That's the reality of the whole thing. It's blunt. Jesus is super blunt about everything. You know, and, and this message is scandalous, right? That I have nothing to do with my salvation, that it's all about Christ. It makes people uncomfortable. It makes legalists really uncomfortable. You know, and it seems, like I said, it seems too good to be true. But this is the message of Christianity, This is genuinely what separates us from every other religion in the world. There are other religions that we share moralities with, that we share a a supposed love for the poor with. But this is the one thing that separates Christianity from everything else, that God loved you so much that while you were yet a sinner, he came and died for you and accomplished it all in spite of you and apart from your help. That's the one thing that separates us, and it's scandalous. But, you know, this is the message Jesus brought. And this 
message is where hope is found for failures like you and me. Let's pray. God, thank you for being a God, um, for being righteous in all the ways that I am not, for being perfect in all the ways that I am not, for being sinless and, and not letting sin go unpunished, but because you're that good, but sending Jesus to come and take my punishment in my place. God, I thank you for that. Thank you for accomplishing my salvation and our salvation apart from us, in spite of us, so that we would be saved by you, for you. And Father, I pray that we understand that and we don't, and we don't look to ourselves and, and let our successes and let our failures make us feel like we're more saved or less saved or make us question our salvation, but let us rest in the fact that it's all about you. And God, that's hard for us to do sometimes. I, I, God, I pray for this entire congregation, myself included, Father. Let us rest in that because that's where peace is. That's where comfort is. That's where hope is. So God, I pray that we take this scandalous message and we leave out of here ready to tell people the true message of Christianity, that it's all about Jesus and it's not about us. That we can't mix this new message with the old message of self-salvation because then we'll be left with nothing. Father, I pray that you just set us on fire with your good news of Jesus and what he's done for us. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.